be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. It's been a couple of weeks since we've graced our presence inside the studio, Josh. Many different reasons. COVID uh, was the main one. Unfortunately, mm. you know, I, I was hit. I popped. I thought I was going to be gargantuan. I was going to survive this entire pandemic without ever testing positive. That threw a spanner into the works one week. And then we had two public holidays in a row. So I've had three weeks off. Yeah, There's we, no excuse for rustiness. We, we have been refreshed. And we had to come back today because the show has a new presenting sponsor, Nick. Yes, we are. We are proudly brought to you by the Global Institute of Sport, GIS. Make sure you head over to GIS dot sport slash fnr um head over there obviously there the if you want to launch a global career in the football industry study a master's degree in football business or coaching or analysis they're the place to go so head on over there uh applic- obviously you can apply now to start the start of next year you can go to campus in some amazing places mm. listen to this if you're over in the uk you can head over to wembley you can head over to the etihad stadium in manchester we could do it very much here in Melbourne at the MCG. So pick your poison, to say the least. But head on over, gis.sport slash FNR to learn more. And earlier this year, we were running a campaign about their Masters of Football business. They've still got that course running, but they've added another Masters course that you can study here in Australia, which is uh, football coaching and analysis. So it's all about uh, not only classic, regular coaching stuff, but also what's increasingly coming into the game, which is video analysis, data analysis, statistics, and so forth. So, you know, you can specialize in those areas and they're increasingly in demand. You know, we see it at every A-League game and every uh, MPL Academy side now. Uh, they've got the guys who are got the walkie-talkies going and giving the coaches information from the top yep. of the grandstand. And they got the VOs now as I was, well. I was watching Preston Lions versus Melbourne Victory. I was commentating that game from up on the commentary gantry and next to me, two of the, the Victory analytics guys with the walkie-talkies down to the bench entering their data and so forth. And every bloody club's got a VO these days doing tactical footage. Well, so it's expanding. It's expanding all the way down into even grassroots levels of football. Well, the VOs don't always, aren't always proficient, Josh, especially when they get knocked over. And I don't know, this is obviously not the MPL <laughs> hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. But if you were watching last Monday night at the Venetal Club, myself and uh, former FNR colleague Ed Gooden were commentating that game. And the VO took a tumble, unprompted. The ball didn't even hit it. It just took a tumble. So it's not always accurate. It's why you need the eyes always there, you know. I, I don't know, I don't know if a safe VO usage is covered in the uh, football <coughs> master's degrees are offered by GIS, but uh, if you want to upskill yourself and kickstart your career in the football industry, uh, be it coaching and analytics or be it the, uh, the business side of football, head on over to gis.sport slash FNR and find out more. Absolutely. But Josh, let's get into some of the action. We're at the nitty gritty part of the European football calendar. We're coming towards the end of not only the 
the the club leagues, obviously all the big leagues coming to an end, but obviously the Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, it's all happening at the moment. We're going to get through it all. We'll go to Champions League a little bit later on because obviously the semifinals of all the three continental tournaments are this week. But let's start off with the weekend's action. And, well, there's only one title race still alive. And if you've been listening to the Euro Show for all this time, you'd know that this title race just continues to just amaze. And again, last week, it threw, as, the, as my famous saying goes, another spanner into the works. And Inter dropped points in that much-vaunted game in hand, Josh, against Bologna during the week. Uh, their backup goalkeeper, Radu, letting the ball run past him. Bologna went on and won that game 2-1. Milan had to take full advantage, and they did just that. Uh, obviously, they beat Lazio last week 2-1 in the dying minutes through Sandro Tonali. And again, they left it late this morning, beating Fiorentina 1-0. Inter did beat Udinese 2-1. Uh, it basically means now it's a two-horse race. Napoli is seven points off, need a minor miracle to stay alive. Juventus, on the other hand, as well. Well, they can't win it, so thank God for that. But <laughs> Milan and Inter, they're going head-to-head. We've got three games to go. We'll start off with the Sun City or yesterday. This was a cracking game. Don't let the 1-0 scoreline fool you. This could have been easily, easily, with some of the chances Milan missed in this game, 3 or 4-0. Some bad finishing, and it seemed like it was just going to be one of those games. But a mistake at the back, a really, really bad mistake from Pietro Terracciano, the Fiorentina goalkeeper, basically putting the ball on a platter for Rafael Liao, who went on in, scored the winner, got the job done. Another win in the bank for Milan. They're seven points away. That's all they need. Mm. Seven more points to win their first Scudetto in 11 years. It's exciting times. And I tell you what, as a Milan fan right now, I am so, so excited right now. Pietro Terracciano had an absolute nightmare on that goal. I, that, that clearance was horrendous, obviously. Shocking. Clearance, clearance was really bad. But after that, the to let the ball in at your near post in such a hapless fashion, he it wasn't even that he got wrong-footed entirely no. and went the wrong way. He fell in slow motion. He went down in stages, as yeah. they say, when a player's you know, gone down too easily to try and win a penalty. He just sort of... It was, it was like a falling tree. It was yeah. like a piece of lumber. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he got me. set the wrong way. It was, it was, uh, look, he, he, looked, he looked ancient on that yeah. goal, I have to say. Uh, you know, the guy, how old is he? 32. Yeah, he's not even that old for a goalkeeper. Well, he's not even their number one goalkeeper. That's just to give a bit of, uh, a bit of context. They did drop mm. Dragovsky, who has been their number one goalkeeper most of the season. Ted Ochano's sort of come in recently and been that guy between the sticks. And it's a disappointing loss for Fiorentina because Fiorentina, they're on the brink of returning to Europe at the moment, albeit more than likely to be through the Europa League or the Conference League. And considering Roma dropped mm. points, it was a good opportunity for them. They're on top of Atalanta now. They're in a really good position to attack the final few games of the season. They got in a couple scalps, but they just couldn't ha- hold on right at the end there. I mean, Milan, this was a Milan kind of game in every way it suited them. Because Fiorentina are a very progressive kind of team. They like to get on the front foot, like to win the ball high up the pitch. They like to press. And we know with Milan, they're not a team that play well against set defences and teams that are going to sit back and frustrate. Milan are a team that like to play high octane off the break. And you let this team play off the break, they're going to hurt you. Um, Especially when they throw numbers forward up that left-hand side through Teo Hernandez and Rafael Leao, Mm. who are brilliant. But they just couldn't finish. I mean, Olivier Giroud somehow missed that chance inside the first half. 
I mean, Teo Hernandez had a great opportunity to decide to shoot instead of cross when he had two players open in the middle. Rafael Leal missed a great opportunity early in the first half as well. It just felt like, what is it going to take? The goal has to come, and finally it did. And Rafael Leal's had a great season, and you know what? That was such an important goal because if had Milan dropped that, dropped that game, I mean, they still would have been in charge of their, in control of their destiny with a draw. But mm. in saying that, it just adds that little bit more pressure if you're relying on head-to-head to get you through, and you really have to go through unblemish in the last three games. So, nonetheless, it's three points in the bag. It's another win for Milan. I mean, it was looking a bit precarious at one point after a couple nil-nil draws, but they've come out. They got a win against Genoa. They got a late win against Lazio. They got the win against Fiorentina. Inter were the team that fumbled the bag. They were the team looking like they were going to run on and win the league. But suddenly right now, Milan, with three games to go, are going to do it, I mean, against all odds. I'll tell you what, compared to some of these other teams they're going up against, this squad, we've said it all year, this squad has nowhere near the same quality as some of these other teams. But there is a real fighting spirit amongst this team, and they keep finding a way to get results. There are a number of players in this side that I wouldn't normally have rated especially highly, but are seemingly performing above themselves or the the collective is more than the sum of the parts. Like Junior Messius, for example. Wow. Uh, I've got my thoughts on Junior I, Messius. <laughs> very, very negative about him, but he's had a consistent run on the side. The guy puts in a shift. Yeah. Obviously, say you say the left-hand side is much more important for mm. Milan, but it seems as if Stefano Pioli sees something in certain players that even the fans don't see, but they keep winning. Yeah. Well, look, Messias has uh, usurped Salamakers in the starting lineup. I think it's a... Very, I, I don't rate the move. I think Macias mm. has some nice moments, but he gets he goes missing. Like mm. there'll be parts of the game where you just don't see him get on the ball because Milan is so dominant up the left hand side. I don't know if it's really a, a game style kind of thing, but even in terms of you know his presenting, his off ball movement, it's not as good as Salamakers, who is so good at you know making uh, creating his own channels and making his own space and getting in good areas. Um, but you, you look at this team. I mean. Olivier Giroud leading the line kind of sums it up. You know, hardworking, doesn't always score, but he just keeps on running, keeps on going. I mean, he's basically not, he's basically played every minute, you know, for the past few months. He's worked himself into the ground at 36 years old. Um, the the defense has been brilliant over the past two months. They've barely conceded a goal. Is this the first time Olivier Giroud has been the first choice striker for his club team in quite a long time? Probably since his Arsenal days. Yeah, and yeah. even then, you know, there were always question marks about whether he was the right guy, whether yeah. they should upgrade. Well, he wasn't the number one guy heading into the season. It was Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but Zlatan. I mean, from the the minutes I've seen Zlatan play recently, mm. it's looking well. Like, I, it's sad to see. It's that point where you know that you got the veteran out there who just isn't contributing like he's getting out in the pitch Milan have thrown him on in back-to-back games to find the winner he hasn't been able to get involved I mean he set up Tonali's winner against Lazio with a nice little flick but hasn't had that same impact but Giroud's getting involved like I've got to give him credit he's actually been a great signing for Milan this season it was looking a bit iffy at the Starks he was getting injuries and he wasn't Mm. contributing but he's had some big moments he scored a lot of big goals against Inter Napoli Lazio he scored in some pretty big games um, but there's a lot to like about this team. I mean, this is the foundation that will go forward. Milana, actually, I don't know if you've seen these uh, these rumors, but Milana said to be bought by a Bahraini company. Mm. Uh, so they're apparently they're going to invest almost a billion dollars into Milan, which will be a massive cash injection to a team that obviously wants to get back to the heights of the 2000s and the 90s and, you know, get back in amongst and among Europe's elite. But 
there's a lot to like going forward about this, about where this team's going in the foundations. I mean, is this the, the official end of the banter era? The banter era, I think, ended it ended it when they made Champions League last okay. season. I think that next season it's going to be the proper coronation of them being uh, back in amongst Europe's elite again. Is this a season premature, this title charge, yeah, do you think? Yeah, 100%. I honestly thought this team would be battling for Champions League this season, considering Mourinho at Roma, I thought Lazio and the Sardi were going to be hard to beat. I thought Atalanta were going to be a lot better this season. I thought Juve were going to win the league this season with Allegri back. They were going to, you know, basically S-house their way to the title. And, and Inter were going to be still up in amongst at Napoli. I thought Milan might get lost in the shuffle. But the way this team keeps finding a way to get results is amazing. I mean, you can point, you know, at Inter and Napoli dropping points, but it's a consistency thing. This Milan team keeps finding a way with all the injuries they had earlier in the season and the way they've been able to battle through that. And even now, I mean, they lost Simon Kier in defense, which really at that point, I know Alessio Romagnoli is Alessio Romagnoli, but he hasn't been great this year. Um, That's a big loss in terms of leadership and also the way they defend. And some of the guys that have slotted in, Pierre Kalulu has really come from nowhere and has formed a brilliant partnership with Fakaya Tamori. They've only conceded four goals together as, as a partnership when three of them were in one game against Inter. Like, the, other than that, this team in almost every other area, this 11, I think bar from Kessie who is, who's gone, and to be honest, I'm glad he's gone. And I honestly, he's the only one I think shouldn't be playing right now for Milan. I know Ismail Benacer was coming back from an injury, but should be starting ahead of Kessie because sometimes I look at Kessie and I think he looks like he's phoning it in a little bit at the moment because he knows he's leaving. But most of this lineup is going to be there again next season. And some of the investment that they're hoping to have in some areas is quite exciting. I mean, if they can bring in Renato Sanchez, which looks like a done deal in midfield, is a good replacement for Kessie. Um, uh, Sven Botman as well from Lille in defense as well. You know, someone like Gianluca Scamacca up front as well is looked like he's going to be the replacement for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who I think will retire at the end of the season. And then maybe on the right-hand side, someone like Domenico Berardi's looked at as well. So there are some exciting players and some exciting parts moving at the moment. But let's have a look at the last three games because mm. Milan and Inter right now, and Inter as well, 2-1 winners in a very tough Tough place to go win against Udinese. Very, very tough win um, for them. They were tested. They got the job done. They just had to win that game to stay alive. But the next three games are massive. Milan, they take on Hellas Verona on the road, which is not an easy game. Nope. So Atalanta at home, and Atalanta have not been in good form as of late. So that actually suits Milan. And then Sassuolo away, who historically have been Milan's bogey team from the second they got promoted. They have always been Milan's bogey team. And those three games aren't easy, but Milan seem to thrive against these kind of teams, these better teams that like to play progressive football because it allows Milan to sit off the break and hit them with, the, with ferocity, the way Milan like to play when they attack. Inter, on the other hand, Empoli at home, midweek Coppa Italia final against Juventus, an away trip to Cagliari, who are battling relegation. We know when you play these relegation battlers, they can get a bit tough. And then the final game against Sampdoria at home. On paper, it's a much easier run for Inter. Mm. But in terms of what these teams are going to do, they're going to frustrate the hell out of Inter with the way they play. It's going to be on Inter to make something happen. These are going to, it's going to be a really, really intriguing three weeks to see what happens here and whether Milan will slip up again because Inter need to go through unblemished from here on out. Is there an argument to suggest that Inter are actually the best team in the league and they've just caught, they've just choked here? Yeah. I mean, no, no, they scored, have. They they've have. scored by far the most goals in the league. 
That, or the, just actually Lazio one goal, uh, a few goals behind him. But, uh, you know, anyone else is miles away from their 74 and 35. They conceded, I believe, the fewest goals. Yeah, by one. Uh, so, yep. I mean, they're, they're more talented than Milan on paper. More depth as well. Much more depth. I, I guess they're an older squad, which has played a part. But where do you, where do you, why do you think they're behind in this title race? Drop points at key moments. But why, why did they drop those points? Well, it was an interesting part because there was that, that portion in around February where I think the fixtures started to pile up. They played when Liverpool were coming around and a lot mm. of midweek games. And I don't think the rotation was there. I think they, they stuck a lot with an 11 that, that suited Inzaghi's you know, system. Didn't rotate things a hell of a lot. Um, and they got worked out. I mean, that's the one thing about Inter. This team are good. They are very good. But they're, when they're off... They're off. Like, they're, they're, there's this... It's a weird dichotomy between Inter and Milan because Milan's bad, can be really bad, but they still find a way to get something from the game. But when Inter are off, they're really off. Are they volatile and from a kind of temperament perspective? Absolutely as well. And But look... I'm shocked that a squad containing Vidal and Sanchez... And Ivan uh, Perisic <laughs> and all, the, all those types that inject. Or, look, there is a lot of talent in this team. But in saying that, you know, it, it's... But you look at it from the other side as well. Milan have dropped points against some really bad teams as well this year, against teams like Salernitana mm. and against Udinese and against Spezia. They've dropped points against teams they shouldn't have. It's just felt like who can just stay – who could have st- stayed – I'm trying to think of the right word here. Who could stay in the fight for longer and just when the pressure's on, you need to get those points on the board, who's going to break? And I just think Inter's mentality in some of those key games – like look at the Bologna game during the week – why were they playing their backup goalkeeper in a game like that? I know Handanovic had back soreness, and I know that he's an older goalkeeper. But, my God, it's the end of the season. You'd think, you know, football manager spec right here, right? Jab him up, get him out there. It's 90 minutes. Like, you need to make sure you get, you get your best team out there for these sort of games. And, you know, goalkeepers, it's not like, you know, you're replacing, um, you know, Lataro Martinez with Joaquin Correa, who's played a lot of football this year. You're playing a guy who has not played a minute this season in a crunch game. And the guy choked in the biggest game of their season. This was the the much-vaunted game in hand, or in to have this game in hand. This game in hand is what's going to be the difference. And they dropped it. And right now, when you look at it, in three weeks' time, when we look at this and we look at the wash-up and we see who's won it, that could be the game that costs them. Because from for the most part... These two teams have gone neck and neck this entire year. Same amount of losses, just that one extra draw. So it, it goes to show that just in some of those games, Milan, but also to Milan's credit, they always find a way. Like they've pinched a lot of games late, got a lot of points late, wins or draws. This team never says, says die. Inter and sometimes some of these games, they've been a bit brittle. That Radu era doesn't get any better the more you watch it. Yeah. I mean, for people who haven't seen it, it's a throw-in by Perisic. He throws it all the way back to his goalkeeper. Sansone is is pressing him, and he tries to just pass it across the six-yard box calmly with his left foot. Which is something you never do as a goalkeeper. You never sweep. It's such a risk to sweep because you sweep as a goalkeeper. You're putting yourselves in a situation okay, where the ball you're can come back across right. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant come well, you out as a sweeper keeper. I'm like, that's no, no, pretty, no, no, no. pretty important. No, no, no. You can sweep a keeper. I'm saying in terms of your technique, Yeah. the one thing that goalkeepers are taught is that when the ball's coming back to you in that situation, you never sweep because there's every chance that, you know, you don't obviously For, the, for the podcast you. listeners, it's passing across, across your, your body. body. So if he's, the, ball's the ball's coming at you, the ball's you're just rolling, rolling to him from his left and he tries to pass it with his left foot across to the yeah. right. And the fact that he... He doesn't just 
readjust, open himself up and use his he right just, foot to just, redirect the ball. Swings his leg at it. He just swings his leg, completely swings and misses and basically just Sansone is left with a one or, you yeah. know, 10 centimetre tap in. It's 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 one of the worst mistakes in a big game that I've ever seen. But you, that's why, like, I mean, what's the harm in conceding a throw in there by just clearing it out if you're under pressure? Like, you just, you just bomb it away. Mm. Like, I mean, you're under the pump. Okay, I know you want to live and die by the philosophy of, okay, you've got a centre back out the other side. It's a risky pass to make any stage. But you're on your goal line. That can go so wrong. And we saw what happened there. So I hope that's a lesson to any young goalkeepers out there that are watching. I'm not a goalkeeper, but I know this is just a fact. It's like the fa- it's like what we taught when we played. Never pass across goal. It is such a risky thing to do when you're passing yeah. across goal. If you're not hitting that ball with venom, there's every chance that ball's going to get intercepted. It's like the same thing. You've got to remember as a goalkeeper, like you can't afford to have that because you know what's behind you. You know, you're going to concede a goal. And in this, in Radu's case, who is, I've got to give Radu credit. When I watched him when he was out on loan at Genoa, very, very talented goalkeeper. Goal, everyone has a brain mm. fade. But in that moment, thrown into a pressure cooker as a young goalkeeper in a game like that, I know Sami Handanovic has his critics and he won't be their number one next year when Onana comes in. But I don't see Handanovic making a mistake like that as a veteran goalkeeper, understanding the ball's coming back to you. Just, just clear it. So anyways, I want to talk about Napoli before we move on. They're out of the title race pretty mm. much. So... You know, there's no realistic way that they mm-hmm. can win it. I mean, even if it is Barring a mathematically unbelievable possible. Collapse. It is mathematically possible, <laughs> but they are seven points off with three games to yeah. go, and there's two teams ahead of them. So it's just not going to happen. Mm. As soon as the pressure's off, they beat Sassuolo 6-1. This uh, team, you're talking about volatile? Napoli in a nutshell. I mean, at their best, Napoli are the best team in the league. You can make a very good argument for that. That's yeah. right, that's what I, yeah. precisely no, 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 what I'm no, no, doing. No, but Nick. you can obviously make when you really nut nut it out. You at can't their at their best, best. At their best, Napoli, the, I think, are by far by far the best team. But they've rarely hit their best this season. In Napoli, in the words of Giorgio Chiellini, that he said, you know, after that famous win against you know Tottenham, it's in the Tottenham <laughs> DNA. It's in the Napoli DNA to choke. These three of the Napoli. Yeah. You know, it is in the history sometimes of Napoli. Sometimes maybe good. Yeah. Sometimes maybe shit. To <laughs> quote their former former boss, <laughs> they choke. It is they have done this season on season. The amount of opportunities they had to usurp Juve, all those chances when Juve won nine mm. Scudetto in a row. They had chance after chance after chance after chance. And when Juve would stuff up, it'd be like, okay, come on, please now, Napoli, don't stuff this up. And they'd stuff it up. Like some of the losses they've had this season, like you look at their last game prior to the Sassuolo game, 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go against Empoli, lost 3-2. Yeah, goals in the 80th, 83rd, and 87th minutes after they had a 2-0 cushion. They could still be in this if they'd won that game. You look at some of the big games. Dropped points against Milan at home. Dropped points against Fiorentina at home. Dropped points against Roma at home. Dropped points against Inter at home. Dropped points against Juve on the road. There are a lot of these games. Atalanta, Empoli. They've they've lost against Empoli twice. They failed, failed to beat uh, ten man Roma. Yeah, there are a lot of these games that are just going to come back and bite them. They have a great coach, they have a great squad. It's all up here with them. They've got all the talent to get it done, and there's not an excuse about depth anymore because they have the depth now. They've invested yeah. in depth. I know Victor Osman's missed quite a bit of football this season, but he's played a lot more than he did last year. I know that you know they've lost some players at key moments. They lost Koulibaly to Afcon. So did Milan. I mean, they lost. And you, you know, know he's going to yeah, go to Afcon. It's absolutely. not a surprise. I mean, like you got to plan around these things. Milan lost Benesse. They lost Kessie. They still found a way. 
You know, Milan lost Simon Kier in defence. They still found a way. Inter lost some key players. They still found a way to stay in contention. This is no excuse for Napoli right now. Spalletti gets the, I guess, I mean, it's not a situation I don't think Spalletti will be fired or anything like that at the end of this season. They didn't win it. End of the day, Napoli's playing Champions League football. It's a tick. They're back in the Champions League. That's important. But next season, they've, they've, they've got, they can't afford to do this again. I mean, how many seasons can you go without not winning it? And, you know, you can only expect Milan and Inter are going to improve if Inter as well find some new owners. You can only expect Juve to improve in the offseason and some of the other teams in the chasing pack. The fact that they haven't won it where pretty much every traditional big power in the league Has is, done it. is out of and is out of form at the moment. Like, you know, Milan and Napoli... Uh, Milan in, and Inter, for you know, they're good sides, but they're not at their pomp. They're, they've they've had you know much better teams in the past. Absolutely, they're at almost a historic low, and Juventus this, the same. This is like the second Napoli golden generation post um, post Maradona. Like this is mm. their best period, you know, over the past decade. This little portion, you know, this this period of not, time, not Sari ball. Uh, well, I'm including Sardi Ball, yeah, including that, like this, this, okay, you know, the Higuain thing. Yeah, 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 from Higuain era coming into this period. This has been the, the Lorenzo Insigne era, to probably put it. And this is the end of the Insigne era. He's got three more games at Napoli, and he's off to the MLS. I mean, you could also probably call it the, the Dries Mertens era as well. Mm. All these guys are getting older. It's a, a new Napoli team starting to come through. There's going to have to be some significant investment, I think, at least defensively as well, because, look, Koulibaly... He's a great defender, but the guys around him, I, I like Mario Rui and Di Lorenzo, but in centre-back, they're a bit weak. I still think, you know, if they're relying on guys like Rachmani, who I think is not bad, but Axel Tuanzebi, Juan Jesus, Costas Manolas left. Where is the depth there? Um, and whether Koulibaly stays, I mean, he's linked to a move every off-season, and you'd think, I mean, unless he's ridiculously loyal to this club, which I think he is, um, that you know, maybe one day that move will happen. So they've got to find oh, a way. No, they've they've got to find a way. Have sailed for Koulibaly. but also as well, they've got to find he's a replacement. 30. How is Kalidou Koulibaly thirty and he's old. still and he's yeah. still at Napoli? But he's still in ridiculous form for his age. I mean, he's he's fantastic, but you know, he's got one more big contract left yeah. realistically, and where I guess you know, whenever his deal expires, that's when he might leave. But that I don't know if a top club will consider it a worthwhile investment mm. to say. Here's the massive transfer fee you're looking for in Napoli. Here's the huge pile yeah. of money we have to pay Koulibaly, even if he's one of the best defenders in the world. Look, you feel for Insigne that his time at, in, at Napoli ends without any silverware, like mm. other than a Coppa Italia, I think that's all he has. I mean, that's disappointing for sure. a guy that has been one of Italy's best players for the past decade. Um, they've got to find a replacement for him. Like, they really need to find a replacement. It's not Politano. Almas I really like, but I don't think that he's of the same ilk as, as Insigne. Um, so and I also don't necessarily think Elmas is a, a winger. winger. They do deploy like, him out there sometimes, but I think he's more I like, of a 10, I like him as a 10. Yeah, so, but also Mertens is getting older too. He's not getting any younger. He's about 34 now. Elmas will come in and I think eventually and usurp him or they'll look to invest somewhere else. I think, you know, a lot of these players that they did beat down on in Suswall or, you know, I look at their front line, you know, just quickly before we go to a break, that front line is going to be pillaged in the off-season, you know, between Skamaka, Berardi, Raspadori, Boga... You know, uh, Traore, there are so many of these guys that if you don't know them now, you will know them in the next little period of time because they're going to be on the radar all off-season of teams like Napoli, Milan, Juventus, Inter. I think that 
literally, I saw this article that I think Milan, Inter, Juventus, and Napoli have like one of the attackers lined up for each team. So it's like Scamacca potentially to Inter, Raspadori to Juventus, Berardi to Milan, and I think Traore potentially to Napoli. It's ridiculous because they're going to lose everyone. And they're going to use that money and probably then go and find the next lot of these young stars to come through. Um, you know, we speak about great, you know, football factories in, in, in Italy, like with Atalanta. So swallow low key or another one in that same ilk. But anyways, Josh, we'll take a short break. But obviously, before we get to that, um, obviously going forward for next week, keep an eye on this title race. Everyone, mm. please at home. You want to see some good football. Other than the Premier League title race, there's another one happening right here. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns this weekend. We'll get we'll preview some of those games a little bit later, and we'll let you know those times a little later in the show. But we'll take a short break here on the Euro Show. When we come back, we'll chat some Champions League. Getting quite exciting as well. And obviously, you know, with the Europa League and Conference League finals, you're listening here to the Euro Show, brought to you by GIS, the Global Institute of Sport. Sometimes I feel, I don't know, I don't know. Buona giornata, buona serata, buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get that You don't have to get that Attaccare! Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio, brought to you by GIS, Global Institute of Sport. Uh, obviously, if you want to launch your career, global career in the football industry, make sure you head over to www.gis.sport slash FNR. Obviously, some great football coaching courses in there, for in, also in football business. Uh, you can learn online or have, even have some unique access to the MCG. I mean, if you're in Melbourne, what better place to go learn about the, you know, all the intricacies of sport than at the home of sport here in Melbourne at the MCG? Or even you can study abroad. I mean, that's the other option as well. If you're interested and you're overseas or even potentially in the UK, you can go mm. on, go to some of their UK campuses at Wembley. Yes, you heard that correctly. I am not talking about Wembley Park in Box Hill. I'm talking about Wembley Stadium <laughs> in the smack bang middle of London. Or if you're further north, you can head over to the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. And they're the largest provider of sports uh, degrees in the UK. So they know what they're doing and they're adapting their program to the Australian sporting context and environment. So they've built up this network here in Australia of, of industry-leading people who are uh, come in as guest speakers and they've got placements with all these different sporting organisations and teams. So it is the best place to kickstart your career in the football industry, be it their Masters of Football Business degree or their degree in uh, football coaching and analysis. Want to learn more? Head over to gis.sport slash FNR. Anyways, let's move on. Let's get into more of the action from the weekend before we dive into some Champions League. Big games on Wednesday and Thursday morning with the second leg of the Champions League semis. And one of those teams wrapped up the La Liga title this weekend. Well, I think they did it technically last week, but I think this week was just the insurance policy to make sure it was all wrapped up. Real Madrid, champions of Spain, no surprise there. 4-0 winners against Espanyol, going into a massive semi-final in Madrid against Manchester City. They won 4-3 that first leg, 
but a nice little tune-up for that one. Um, they played a lot of the the bench, you know, a bit of their reserves, rotated the squad mm. a little bit. Um, you know, you saw the likes of Mariano Diaz getting some minutes. Danny Caballos even saw some minutes. Marcelo. I, I didn't even realise Caballos was yeah. still playing for Real Madrid they, until we, I saw him come on against Manchester City in yeah. the Champions League. Tony Cruz was... Uh, Tony Cruz, sorry. Isco was on the pitch. Uh, obviously, they brought Marcos Benzema. Asensio, Vasquez. Yep. So they, they really rotated. Casemiro was playing centre-back. Yep. Uh, but it's good to see him fit again. So he will play in the second league for Real Madrid as they look to overturn that, uh, mm-hmm. that one-goal deficit against Manchester City. But... You should have seen the celebrations after they bloody lost against City. El Chiranguito was going off. Yes, they were. And I'll tell you what, if that was, you know, them going off, what are they going to be doing on Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, sorry, if they, win, if they get past City? I mean, Thomas Roncero, like, couldn't he – was, he was delighted. He was basically had his shirt, you know, waving around his yeah. head, even though they lost 4-3. Four, 4-3, three. Three, yeah. Like, it, it's hilarious the kind of um, – I was going to say delusion, but it's not really a delusion if they keep bloody winning this competition, is it? Like, it's it's incredible the sense of kind of entitlement that they have. Yeah, and you get this sense that Pep's voices are going to start speaking to him at some point. If it's not in the semi, it's going to be in the final. Because they were they were so delighted that they you know were still in the tie because they were complete. They Manchester City wiped the floor with them, yeah. but there seemed to be this predestined, almost mystical aura around the club that the Champions League is their competition, whatever happens, and there's nothing that Pep or Manchester City can do to, to change that. So they, they're fully buying in. They're fully high on their own supply Real Madrid, and they've won La Liga. They think they're going to win the Champions League, but the image, the defining image of this season, I think, was uh, Mr. Carlo Ancelotti on top of the rooftop bus parade with his cigar. Yep. Well, he's, he, they could celebrate for that little bit right now, but obviously the focus has to turn to the Champions League on uh, Thursday morning. That's the second leg, as mentioned, City 4-3 winners. Sorry, I got that one wrong a little bit early, wrong way around. thought um, for a second, I was like, no, City did win the first leg. Madrid it didn't did feel like they won, but No, though. it didn't. It, it didn't felt like feel Madrid like it. won because it was like, you know what it was like? It's like in the NBA playoffs when a team, when like it's a clinching game on the road and it's like, okay, we win this and we go, th- we, we finish off the series, but the team wins at home, makes it say 3-2 and it's like, okay, but we have game six or we have game seven at home. We're going to wipe the floor with you guys. You've just given us your best punch. You haven't knocked us out entirely. We've still got the advantage. I mean, Madrid are down, but we saw what they did against PSG in a half. We saw what they did in this game, not even playing that great, and they still were able to stay in this game. I think they're get, I think they're going to get it done. I genuinely think that they're going to beat City in this really? game. And I think, honest, to be honest, I don't know if this is just me going off history with Pep Guardiola in big games, but he's going to do something stupid. You know that he's going to do something. It's like the famous Simpsons meme. You know he's going to do something. <laughs> You know, he's like you're just waiting for him to do it. And Everybody watch. He's about to do something stupid. At, at 4 a.m. or whenever the, you know, the lineups come out on Thursday morning, I am ready to see some ridiculous squad selection like, you know, Raheem Sterling playing as a six or, you know, um, you know or Kevin De Bruyne has been deployed as a left back or something like that because just he's had peak. this epiphany in his sleep from someone just not realizing that dreams sometimes mean nothing and said, no, play Kevin De Bruyne at left back. No, play your other, you know, play Oli Zinchenko there. He's your guy. Don't overthink this, Pep. You've got the advantage. Just 
Get it done, man. This is like peak galaxy brain Guardiola areas in the yeah. in a, you know crunch match in the Champions League where he thinks he needs to do something, something, some sort of genius level mm. tactical maneuver when he simply have the best players and yeah. they have the best team. And if they just play the best players in the proper positions and do their thing, then they'll probably win. They're more than likely to, to beat Madrid at the Bernabeu. If they can remove the emotion and, and approach this game rationally. But Pep Guardiola doesn't seem to be able to do that in these moments because he's, he's got this neurosis about him. Uh, it was amazing watching his reaction when they didn't go up 3-0. It was someone missed a chance. I think it might have been Mares. And his reaction was pretty much the same as when Tottenham knocked him out of the Champions League. Do you remember Raheem Sterling's yeah. winning goal getting ruled offside by yeah. VAR and he just fell to his knees yeah. and uh, head in his hands? He basically had the same reaction to Mares missing an opportunity to put City 3 0. Because up. you know why? It's the famous saying you got to, when you've got your foot on the throat, you can't let off. Like, you've got, yeah. to, you've got to knock them while they're down. Like, but you City can't let them back into it. So much, so much better. They are uh, so they, much better but, than this Madrid team. I mean, they're on a different planet. But there's a, I, there was a message that went around in our group chat during the game. I think Ante Jukic was saying, "How is this not twenty six one? Yeah, how am, how but are Madrid still in this? You just know, like the I was long, coming from the, the longer, world's biggest Luka Modric yeah, but fan. You know, the longer City keep Madrid in this, the more it's going to suit Madrid. If if City don't put this game away early, it's going to suit it's going to suit Madrid. I mean, they've got guys that can change a game just like that. Karim Benzema, Luka Modric, Vinicius Hunyad. They've got guys that can win it for them off their own boot. And Casimedo coming back, I mean, he didn't play the last leg. That's a big in. You'd think he comes in for Valverde, you'd think, and Cruz might shift out to the right. Um, but Cancelo is back for this one. Yeah, so that's obviously the big one because John Stones got hurt in that leg. I'm not too sure if he's back. Um, I don't think um, it matters because but, yeah. Cancelo and Zinchenko yeah. will be the fullbacks. Yeah, so I don't, and I don't think Stones would be starting ahead of Diaz or Laporte. But no, I, Jones uh, Jones played um, Stones, sorry. John Stones. I've, I, cond- <laughs> I was going to say. You've, I contracted. You've condensed, yeah. Um, I've, I've condensed his name. John Stones uh, started right back and got injured, came off, and they brought on Fernandinho Dino, yeah. at right back because they didn't have any other fullbacks fit. Uh, Cancelo was out, Kyle Walker out, of course. So, I mean, he immediately came on and provided a Beautiful assist, mm. and, <laughs> uh, and and you're thinking, oh wow, Fernandinho rolling back the clock. What a beautiful cross that yeah. was! Uh, and then the next play basically was him <laughs> getting left in the dust by Vinny Junior, <laughs> and he looked so old. Yeah, he, he looked like he should have a walker with him. Like he should be in a wheel. Like it was hilarious trying to watch him run back for that one. He was just gone, and. You know, Vinny Jr. ran from the ball with the ball from the halfway line all the way and scored. Yeah. So it was just a, a stupid goal to concede. And I think it was bad defending as well by Laporte. He just didn't come over mm. to try and block the shot. He just let Vinny Jr. run yeah. all the way because he was afraid he was going to square it to Karen Benzema. And maybe that's the gravitational pull that Karen Benzema has at the moment. Well, Josh, let's let's get a prediction. Our City are going to win. I, you don't think Guardiola is going to have a brain worm and he's just going to do something stupid. You think they're going to get to the final? I, I do. I, I think, you know, it, barring, you know, Karen Benzema virtuoso performance, like a hat trick or something, mm. but barring that, I think City have more than enough to win this game. I think, you know, you can never count out Real Madrid in the Champions League, but every rational, logical part of my brain is saying like Real Madrid simply cannot compete with this city team when they're yeah. on song. And, 
you're not going to have an almost freakish level game that almost felt it was scripted to keep Madrid in it. I, I was I was worried that I was watching a rigged contest. It looks like it had been blocked like a wrestling match just to keep it interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that can happen again. I, I think City are going to win this game and they're going to get to the Champions League final. I think they're going to win the Champions League final. I don't know. It's, I mean, it level, is, Liverpool. It is. It is well. in the history of Pep Guardiola. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I, I think it's going. It's it's going to be an intriguing watch. It's going to be so so intriguing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like whatever happens in this game, I think it's going to be bonkers. Like it's not going to be a boring one. No. It's going to be just like the first leg. I'm expecting like this is the best game of the year. I, I think this will go to extra time. Like this is, I reckon this this is the extra best extra game of the yeah, European absolutely. season. Absolutely, and the, we haven't had many. The UEFA Champions League semi-finals are the best games of the European calendar. Yeah, because the final there's all this anxiety involved for both teams, and, and it usually watch, grinds you, to a bit of yeah, a boring one. Don't you know. usually get a classic in the final, but the semi-finals and this two-legged format where the best team usually does win, but you know there's some incredible comebacks. You know, it's it's the perfect uh, perfect time because it's all of the best teams in Europe coming up against each other over two legs. Mm. And they've been really open and attacking games in recent seasons. Yeah. And UEFA, for some reason, Wanna has got it, it in their head that they have to change this format back to the COVID 2020 Final Four one-off game format, which was good at the time, sure. But we because had nothing. to rush. We had that to rush. I mean, it was just we getting, in, getting we it done. Lockdown. I know. Like, we take anything at that point. Exactly. We're watching, what was it, Belarusian Premier League and, you know, <laughs> you know, watching, um, we, we were so caught up on, you know, replays and football manager. It was like, oh, football. And it was, it, it's nice. But that compared to what we have <laughs> yeah. again and what we had is nothing. It's garbage. So why, why are we changing it? I, it's it's absolutely bonkers to me. The fact that they want to maybe put like they're putting this Swiss system in place. We know this is like a second group stage almost, which is the most boring part of the competition. So they're extending the most boring part of the competition and they're contracting the most entertaining part of the competition. And it just I'm pulling my hair out it's because, because the pa- they're ruining the they're ruining the best competition yeah. in the world. They're ruining it. It's very very annoying. It's very annoying. Because, as you mentioned, we've seen so many classic semis over the year. I mean, you only have to think back to 2019. You know, the, the Tottenham Ajax yeah. tie. Corner taken quickly. You know, yeah, Liverpool-Barca. Like, it's it's disappointing. It's really disappointing if, if that does come to fruition. But if we're going to go out with a bang with these semis, let's hope that, you know, we get a good second leg between Madrid and City. I genuinely think we will. The one that I don't think we're going to get a good semi in, I'm hoping, I'm hoping there is a bit of life in the yellow submarine. They're down 2-0, lost the first league against Liverpool. They're now at home. Are you giving them any hope? I, 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 I don't think they're going to win, but they're going to make it interesting. I think they're going to make it interesting. Unai Emery's got something on that blackboard. Has, He's got something. Has Unai Emery ever made a game entertaining? You know, yeah, but you know, just need to he's get a good, one. He's a good tactician. I'm not, just I just got to get it. one to get back into it, and it, suddenly it's a, it, we've got a game. I mean, it, you know, the, this is a team made up of you know Bournemouth rejects. So, like <laughs> the fact that they've made it to the Champions League semi-finals it's is an amazing, achievement yeah. in itself. Uh, and they didn't have you know their leading striker um, in this game. So I don't think he's back either. To no. be honest, him both Morenos, I don't think are going to be back. Yeah, Gerard Moreno, of course. Um, I don't think Albert Moreno's allowed to play against Liverpool. To be honest, <laughs> I think that he's you know it's a violation of his, his long term loan yeah. agreement. No. I think definitely. <laughs> um, I, I think Liverpool win this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Villarreal make it tight. I don't think Liverpool's going to like blow them. They're going to oh, blow the bloody doors off. I think it's going to be pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't think Villarreal ever, you know, ever, ever basically venture beyond the the conservative, and that, that's what makes them hard to beat. Um, you know, I I just don't see it to be honest. I I think Liverpool are just too strong. Um, the most interesting thing about you know these Liverpool performances is it raises the question of when they get to the Champions League final, what's their best midfield? Who starts? Mm. Is it Naby Keita? Is Thiago in there? You know, it's, it, uh, is you know Sadio Mane playing through the middle? And Luis is Luis Diaz in their best eleven now? Yeah. Well, I mean, he it looks like he is to be honest. I mean, he's, he's been out, so. potentially the signing of the season for oh, me. He's been fantastic. He's been absolutely oh, yeah, fantastic. at least out of the January window. I, I well, can't think of a more impactful signing. Well, I mean, for me, if you go with. If you're picking well, maybe, a midfield, Kieran, maybe Kieran Trippier if, at Newcastle. Yeah, you know? if, if you're thinking picking a, a best midfield, Josh, I think you've got to start Thiago. I think Thiago has to play. Mm. I mean, the form he's been in recently has been just sensational. It begs the question of why hasn't he been playing more? Well, we know why because well, the, he doesn't. He's not necessarily a Klopp profile in terms of his. He's not you know a Juni Wijnaldum type. But you'd think he always, Fabinho, he's always injured as well. Yeah, you'd think Fabinho and probably oh, is he going to go Jordan Henderson? It has to be. Yeah, he's I think he'll go. Yeah, so that that's probably going to be the three. The three that will go with that game, and I think that will probably. Be the, I think they'll go in basically unchanged from the last leg. It'd be disappointing if you know this sort of just grounds out and Liverpool just you know sort of just fall in because I'm I'm going to have a bit of a controversial opinion here, Josh. But let's go back and have a look. Other than the Barca one, I mean, uh, actually, no, I don't, I don't know if this is, you know, I think that probably I'm, I'm being a bit maybe salty because I'm a Milan fan and I've seen Liverpool do too much damage in the Champions League to <laughs> me and I don't like seeing them do well in the Champions League. But I was going to say, you know, have they really beat? They've always seemed to get very favourable draws in the Champions League. Bar the Barca tie in 2019. It was Roma. 2018, they got Roma that knocked Barcelona off with the famous Manolas goal. Yeah, and the Greek and they almost Rome. still lost that tie because Roma came surging back at yeah. the Olympico. And then 2019, they found 20 minutes or 40 minutes of brilliance to beat Barcelona. But it seems like they get some favorable ties. I well, mean, they, they've played they, Benfica. They, they played Inter. That was, yeah, they, I mean, they had a tough round of 16, but... That wasn't that wasn't an easy tie. Like you know, yeah, the scoreline in the first leg made it look easier than it was. And Inter, remember before the red card, you know, it was screaming back into that game. Was, yeah, you know, oh, man, okay. Ma- Martinez scores that wonder goal, and you know, Alexis Sanchez doesn't get sent off two minutes later. As quite I harshly. said, Josh, maybe I'm just game. being salty. Maybe I'm just being and look, salty. Benfica's a lucky draw. You can't you can't say it's not. And then yeah. Villarreal, like you can say that's a lucky draw, but Villarreal beat Bayern Munich and Juventus to get here. So Juventus, if it yeah, was but, yeah, but Juventus suck, man. Yeah, okay. Well, they beat Bayern Munich. They beat <laughs> yeah, Bayern I know, Munich. I know, I know. And okay. Bayern Munich were many people's tips to I'll, win the whole I'll, thing. I'll give, so, I'll give you that. So I'll give you if, that. If Bayern Munich does the business against Villarreal and Liverpool get Bayern, then this this argument doesn't exist. Yeah, so, potentially. Yeah, but like, I'm, I'm talking about, about history, Josh. Like 2018, they got Porto, beat them five 0 over two legs. They got City, and City weren't great in that title. They got spanked five one. Yeah, two but that was a pretty significant performance. Yeah, and then they beat Roma 7-6 on aggregate. 
Seven six. That was great. That was such a good tie. That was great. I'm sorry, I miss that Roma team so much. But anyways, look again. I'm probably just sounding salty, and I just want to piss off some Liverpool fans. But in saying that, hey, they look, beat they beat Milan in the group stage. Well, so, they did. You know. But hey, look, they almost bottled it at Anfield. You know, they they conceded two shots, and there was two goals. <laughs> and we're not going to go down. I mean, maybe Milan now wouldn't have let in three. But nonetheless, I think we're going to get a Liverpool versus Real Madrid final. We're running it back to 2018. Oh, Liverpool City for mine. That's boring, man. It's we're not getting boring. It it's boring. The two, the two best teams in the world. Who wants to see Liverpool City, man? Everyone wants to see Liverpool City. Are you crazy? What are you smoking? Did you watch the Liverpool City Premier League match? Yeah, but we want to... We Did you watch the, the FA Cup semi-final? Yes. Yes. That yes. Was those And all three of the times they've met this season have been... Incredible mm. matches. Incredible. Mm. Incredible. In look, the words you know, of Pep Guardiola. In the word of Pep Guardiola. Incredible. This might just be me because I don't want a Premier League team to be guaranteed to win the Champions yes, League. Yes, this, then... this is just your anti, anti-Premier anti League bias. It's not anti-Premier in. League. It's just pro-Serie A, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm over Serie A being... It's anti-English bias. No, 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 no. No, there's no biases here, Josh. It's just I want to see something different for a change. Uh, not really. What, like I mean, Real Madrid? No, 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 no. Let me, let <laughs> me change Something different, it. like Real Madrid I winning the Champions I want Villarreal to do the... If, okay, if Villarreal beat Liverpool... Okay, let, we, 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 let, let, Then we get a trash final. If Villarreal wins against Liverpool, I don't give a crap if it's going to be a trash final. Villarreal beating Liverpool would be absolutely hilarious. I've, I've heard some incredible stuff from you but, today. But, no, seriously, in, in, a, in a hypothetical world, in, in some universe out there in the multiverse, whatever... Whatever They're the not going. getting through. It's not going to Vill- happen. Okay. Josh, just for one second, please. If Villarreal get through, <laughs> how funny would it be to see Liverpool goff up a 2-0 lead and go out against a provincial Villarreal team and they come out and they beat them like 3-0 at home? It would be amazing. It would be great. I, I think... If we want the best final for the neutral, Liverpool versus Man City is the one. And because it's both two teams who play attacking football every time. Okay. It's one of the best. Like, yeah, yeah. All right. It's one of the best title rivalries we've ever seen in the Premier League. About bloody time. Yeah, yes. That's about, I, about, it's I, about I, I don't time. disagree. <laughs> but you, you rewind to the great ones, and a lot of those games were, you know, pretty terrible. Like Just, Arsenal versus Manchester United, even, is probably the one everyone harks back to. But a lot of those games, like Ferguson mucked them up quite I mean United City United City 2012 yes yes that, that was, was probably a, the last that was a great one that was a great title race but oh, Liverpool City went down to the wire 2019 you know yeah but City were never going to lose it mm. they're no. always going to win they had Brighton on the last day and it was like ah oh, what's the chance of City Brighton this? Brighton made it, made it Brighton in. Brighton lost like 4-1 yeah but they were in the game for a bit yeah then. for like they're 10 the minutes game. they're in the game <laughs> I remember well, staying so we're not just talking about we're not just talking about last no, no. day of the season Anyways. but the course of the year yes, there have yes, been some good yes. title races and there's going to be another one right to the wire this year so yeah. I, I think the two best teams in the world playing the most modern football I yeah. would say like two teams who press really high and play through the lines and different mm. they're very different of course um, but they both have modernised football in the way that they play it. And, you know, City, I've talked about them being a little bit bland at times. Their dominances can be a bit bland. Um, but when it comes to the Champions League and you've got Pep's neurosis, or when it comes to the Premier League when they're playing Liverpool and Liverpool can actually beat them at their own game, mm. those those are some of the most absorbing contests and some of the best football you're likely to see. So I'm, I'll be very happy with the, with the Liverpool-City final.
Before we go, Josh, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our boys over in Scotland. The old firm last night, 1-1. Celtic missed the chance to wrap it up. And also, congratulations to Ange Postacoglu, who was labelled Scottish Coach of the Year. Uh, very much well-deserved. I mean, you know who he was going up against? Mulkey Mackay. Can you remember Mulkey Mackay? I, I remember his text messages. Yeah, so, yeah, I remember that. And then that whole, remember there was that, like, protest period where um, they used to chant, don't sack Mackay. Mulkey Mackay, because all the Carter fans didn't want him sacked at the time. And then we all found out that what he really is like behind the mm. scenes. Um, but Celtic, six points clear with, I think, three games to go. They really could have wrapped it up last night. Unfortunately, they didn't. They had the lead. It looked like they were on their way. Uh, Jota with the goal, but then Fashion Sakala. What a name. Fashion Sakala with an equaliser in the second half to ensure that Rangers would just extend it for that little bit longer. Just say, you're not getting there just yet. But I think that one more win, I'm pretty sure it's is a goal difference in Scotland or is it head-to-head? Uh, probably is goal difference. If Celtic beat Hearts on Saturday or Sunday, Celtic will be Scottish champions yet again. So... Quite exciting, but you know what? Like we've the seen draws a good returns. result. I mean, it's it's not the end of the world yet for Celtic, but up against Hearts, who are third. And if we ask Lockie Flanagan, he'll be saying, you know what? We're going to extend it for another week. We're going to make it even more interesting. I'm excited for this one, Josh. Yes, I think it's uh, it's it's going to be a good match. Um, Celtic Rangers. Celtic were actually second best in that one, and they were a little bit fortunate to, mm. to get the point, but I think they'll be very happy with it because really they just needed to maintain the gap mm. to Rangers. That's all they needed to do. Yep. Yes, it would have been nice to win it and clinch it in an old firm game. It would have been amazing. Uh, but, yeah, I think I, I think Celtic uh, will be relatively pleased with a draw. Uh, the way you saw... Um, Postacoglu go across to Van Bronckhurst and, and you saw the way he spoke to him after the game. It seemed as if he was saying, like, mate, you were better than us today. Like, you probably deserved more. Um, he was very gracious, as always. So, um, yeah, Celtic uh, are in a great spot. Um, Hearts is going to be their biggest test of the ga- remaining games, as you say. And uh, hopefully we're going to be talking to Chris McLaughlin of the BBC on tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's show of uh, the Oz Football Hour. He's going to be joining us off the top uh, to talk all about the the old firm and about a, another Australian excelling at Celtic. And I'm not talking about Tom Rogic. Yes, ab- absolutely. We're not going to spoil it because we <laughs> want you guys to tune in if you haven't been keeping an eye on that. But, um, yeah, certainly one to uh, keep an eye on tomorrow. I'm going to have to work on my pronunciation. Before yes, then. it's a... <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. It's... You know, it's a big name. It's a it's very, 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 very big, big name in Celtic. <laughs> big name. But anyways, uh, Josh, before we go, just a reminder for those uh, listening at home who want to keep an eye on some of the big games in Europe this week. Villarreal play Liverpool on Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. Thursday morning, Real Madrid versus City on f- at 5 a.m. as well. But if you're looking ahead to some of these title races, we mentioned Serie A this week, and that's really the only ones, if we're not talking about the Premier League, that actually has a title race because PSG have won it, Bayern have won it, Madrid have won it. It's really down to Milan and Celtic to make things interesting at the moment. Um, So Milan, they're in action against Hellas Verona on Monday morning. That's shaping up to be easily one of the biggest games of the week. Inter against Empoli as well. Uh, Juventus take on Genoa and Napoli against Torino. Those games really, just to maybe keep them honest, the top four is wrapped up in the the, the Serie A as well. So it's all now about seeding and really just the time. We haven't talked about, Nick. We haven't talked about the Europa League at all. No, 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 no. West Ham 1, Eintracht Frankfurt 2. 
uh, was uh, they conceded in the first minute, West Ham. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're still in it. Uh, going away to Germany. It's going to be tough. It's going to be pretty Athos tough. Athos is going to be fired up for that one. And RB Leipzig not f- polishing off Rangers. So, I mean, it was a tough turnaround for Rangers mm. from, the, from the Europa League semi-final to playing Celtic well, for the title. It's, it's a tough ask, but they're... Probably their focus is going to turn to the Europa League um, this week because they they only lost one nil against Leipzig and wouldn't that be a massive upset if they and can they're pull going it off? back to Ibrox? That's going to be a massive. That contest. place is going to be rocking. Oh, absolutely! So that's at five a.m. Both of those fixtures are running at the same time in the Conference League, though the best of them all. Oh, God. Feyenoord three two winners in the first league against Marseille. That's going back to Marseille and Roma Leicester one one. That was the King Power in the first league. Now we're going back to the Olympico. Now that's going to be a fun contest because Roma's been in some good form as of late. They've Is actually this the started... Master versus the Apprentice because uh, Jose, Jose Mourinho yeah. was at Chelsea when Brendan Rodgers was coming up as a youth coach yeah, and assistant, and also famously Jose Mourinho went to Anfield when Brendan Rodgers was coach of Liverpool, mm. and there was that famous slip and. There's a bit of something in, in that one. So will Jose get another one over Brendan Rodgers? Two of the greats as, well, that's definitely how Brendan Rodgers would describe it, yeah. uh, going head-to-head. And, yeah, absolutely. So we'll leave it there for tonight. We'll be back again next Monday. Um, obviously, if you missed any of it, head over to Spotify, head over to wherever else you get your podcasts, leave a review, let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Also, a quick shout-out to our, my boys as well, who won League One this weekend. Wigan Athletic promoted back to the championship. <laughs> you thought that you could get away with a mention. They're back. They're back in the championship. It's an amazing achievement from where they were a year and a half ago. I remember in the at-home days, we're talking about just the club surviving. They just survived. New owners. They survived League One last season. They won the league on the final day at Shrewsbury. Will Keane, former Manchester United man, won the Golden Boot, which is Quite amazing because you know, considering where he was. So, congratulations to Wigan Athletic joining Rotherham in the second division next year, and MK Dons didn't get promoted yet. So that's a win for everybody. But anyways, Josh, uh, big show tomorrow. Oz Football Hour starting from six six o'clock. Um, we're going to have uh, we're going to have Chris McLaughlin of the BBC, as I mentioned earlier, and also Ryan Walters of K League United to talk Asian Champions League. So massive show coming up tomorrow, and I, I think we'll have Radio Dub. As well, so, so that's immediately following at 7pm. Yep. And we'll have no green room this week. If you've been keeping an eye on that, Western United are actually in action on Wednesday against Newcastle. So they'll be back next week for a special finals edition. Plenty of special guests mm. for that one, so keep an eye for next Wednesday. And then, of course, State of Our Football Nation on Thursday and the Lions Den. The Lions Den. Yes. No, we're not, back on the winner's list, we're Preston. Not, we're not talking about the social club at Boleyn. We're talking about the show, though, as the Lions Den. But and anyways. They're, they're playing Western United on Friday. That's going to be a big absolutely. one. Second versus fourth in NPL 3. It's the FNR derby, to say the least. But anyways, <laughs> uh, it's time to say goodbye here on the Euro Show, brought to you by GIS Global Institute of Sport. We'll see you next Monday. Sometimes I feel, I don't know. I don't know. Buongiornata. 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 There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a touch, did you? You don't have to get a touch, did you? Attaccare! Attaccare!